Hello Facebookers, welcome to Health Hackers episode number five. My name is Gemma Evans, I'm a TV journalist and presenter here in the UK and this is my series just for Facebook dedicated to interviewing the most pioneering and influential people in health and wellness right now and one of them is sitting next to me. Today's guest is Chloe Brotheridge. Hello. Hello. Uh, Chloe is an anxiety expert. She's an author of The Anxiety Solution, which is one year old today with therapist. And she's with us for the next 30 minutes. So you can ask her anything you like. We're going to be talking about fear, confidence, self-esteem, willpower, panic attacks. Uh, if you can think of someone who would benefit from watching this episode, tag them in the comment section below. I'm going to be looking down a lot because I've got my laptop here so that I can keep an eye on all your comments and all of your questions. And um, this is probably a good time to mention the legal bit. Uh, this Facebook Live is not medical advice. We're just gonna have an informational discussion. It's gonna be good. And we're looking forward to hearing your questions. We always encourage you to make your own health decisions. So to kick off, Chloe, let's um, get a little bit of an overview on how you ended up being a hypnotherapist and anxiety expert. Because I know you've got a lot of personal experience. Yeah, so I've been a hypnotherapist for six years and I decided to specialise in helping people with, an with anxiety because I'd had a lot of anxiety myself starting when I was 15 when I had a lot of panic attacks and that went on for about 10 years after that before I actually got any proper help. 10 years is a long time. Yeah, yeah, I just... You must have suffered. Yeah, I thought I was... That was just the way I was. I thought, oh, I'm just a warrior. I'm just an anxious person. This is just the way I'm going to be. So it took quite a while for me to get some help, but when I did, I went on a bit of a mission to become a karma person, and that included training as a hypnotherapist, and now I help people that have the same kind of problems that I had. And that's where we are now, your clinic. This is Chloe's clinic in London. Um, if you've got any questions for Chloe, like I said, keep them coming in. I'm monitoring everything going on on the feed right now. And uh, give me a thumbs up if you can all hear us loud and clear. I want to see your thumbs up. And while you're doing that, Chloe, tell me, when does worry cross over into anxiety? So worry is thoughts, having thoughts that you can't, uh, negative thoughts that you can't seem to stop. Um, anxiety is a normal emotion. Anxiety is completely normal. Feeling nervous, being worried, it's all completely normal um, to a certain extent. You know, it's not normal to feel like you can't stop worrying. It's not normal to, you know, have a sense that you can't switch off and sleep at night. Mm. Um, and actually, if you go to your doctor, they will um, diagnose you using a form and um, ask you certain questions like, how often do you worry? You know, do you feel like you have um, problems like sleeping. Ticking criteria. Exactly, oh, yeah. So there is a, a way that people will diagnose it um, using a um, different criteria that you have to, to meet, basically. Now, I remember when I was a teenager, um, I used to have really bad anxiety and I had cognitive behaviour therapy, which was really, really helpful for me. But I guess I remember at the time finding it really hard to explain to the therapist and to the doctor just how bad the anxiety was because not everyone knows what it feels like to have a panic attack. Mm. For someone who might be watching this now who, who hasn't had a panic attack, um, could you give us a sense of just how terrifying it is? Yeah, yeah. So it's it can be quite easy for people that have never experienced anxiety just to say, 
oh, why don't you just stop worrying, just snap out of it, you know, what chill have you got out. to worry about, take a chill pill. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to, to think that if you've never experienced it, but if you've ever had a panic attack, you'll know, the majority of people that have panic attacks for the first time end up going into A&E. And it's a really common reason that people go into A&E, one of the most common things that doctors because they say. Just, people they don't know what's going for. on with their bodies and they're like, yeah. wow, I must be dying. You think you're dying. So it happened to me when I was 15. I Did you go to A&E? I was begging my friend to, but she wouldn't take me. She oh just thought, God. you're being silly, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Which I think she should have actually, because I was in a real state. Anyway, for me, I felt like suddenly I had this overwhelming sense of dread. Mm. My chest tightened up. I felt like I couldn't breathe. My heart was racing. I could feel like my, my pulse in my whole body. Um, I was, yeah, just thought I was going to die. Literally thought I was going to mm. die. I was praying, um, you know, yeah, thinking, yeah. oh my God, this is it. Um, and it did die down after a period of time, but it was a very, very scary experience. Do you remember feeling really isolated? Because I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm the, I'm the only person in the world this is happening to. Like just feeling totally alone and thinking, I can't even describe this to people properly. Yeah. So at the time for me, no one I knew had ever, yeah. I'd never heard of a panic attack. No one I knew had ever had one. I remember calling a kind of NHS helpline and they were trying to explain to me what was happening. Um, it feels very isolating. And this is from all the people that I speak to. When they know that they're not alone, that is one of the most comforting things. Yeah. And I promise you, you're not alone. Anxiety is incredibly common. 22% of us feel anxious all or most of the time. Uh, so all or most all of the time? All or most of the time. 22%? Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, you're not alone, because here's two people who've had it too. Mm, wow. It's really common, unfortunately. When your clients come and see you, um, they seek your help with hypnotherapy, and also do you do talking therapies too? I, I mainly specialise in hypnotherapy. Okay. It's very short term. I usually only see people for a few sessions. and Because that's how good you are? Well, just so good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wave my magic wand. Great, <laughs> and, um, right. and so if someone was coming to you and they said, um, I'm having really bad panic attacks uh, whenever I um, go on a train, for example, mm. how do you teach someone, or what do you advise your client to do in terms of managing that when they're in the situation? Yeah, so I think the first thing to remember is that although panic attacks feel really scary and horrible, they're not actually dangerous. It's not gonna hurt you. It's just a high level of adrenaline that your body is producing because your body is confused at that moment and thinks that there's a threat that you need to run away from or that you need to fight off. So sometimes just reminding yourself, it's just adrenaline and reminding yourself that the feeling is gonna pass. You're not gonna feel mm. that way forever. Um, you will calm down eventually, probably within a matter of minutes, and um, it's not actually going to hurt you. And if you can, taking some deep belly breaths, this is just such a simple thing that you can do. Relax your stomach, let your belly expand as you're breathing in, so you're taking those belly breaths, let your Buddha belly hang out. Um, your Buddha belly, did you say? Yeah, yeah, so you've got to let it stick out, you've got to push your belly out as you're breathing you in. You can't see our bellies, but we're doing it now. <laughs> Does that make the brain relax? It, it tricks your nervous system into thinking you're relaxed. It's, it's sending this message of safety and relaxation to your nervous system. So if you're in a high anxiety state or a panic attack, you're having a panic attack, taking deep belly breaths. <clears throat> Sometimes in, with a panic attack, though, it's just a case of waiting it out and mm. trusting that it's going to run its course, the adrenaline is going to calm down after a few minutes. Mm. and um, 
just remember that it's not gonna it's not gonna it's just stay that way. way yeah um so is it possible to train yourself train your mind to enjoy things that you've previously been terrified of like say if you were claustrophobic about trains or if you were afraid of public speaking can you train your mind to to be good at them and enjoy going on a train or enjoy speaking in front of an audience absolutely it's not permanent it's not permanent so, so don't like, avoid the trick is to not avoid the situation think, what if it's genetic like yeah. oh what if it's in my genes and i'll never be a non-anxious person yeah is that could that be true there is a genetic aspect but a lot of it is to do with the way we're raised and our beliefs and things that happen to us throughout our lives our lifestyle how we take care of ourselves how we treat our bodies um so if you think you might have a genetic predisposition to anxiety it's not the end of the story you're not destined for a yeah. life of anxiety there's loads you can do um can you overwrite it by training your brain yeah yeah i'm gonna put it that way i think i mean i don't like to say oh there's a cure for anxiety mm. there's a cure because actually it's a normal human emotion i think it's more about managing it getting tools working on yourself working on maybe healing things from the past through therapy and um taking better care of your body so that um, your nervous system is calmer. So exercise, for example, mm. the NHS have said if they could put exercise into a pill form, it would be the best drug ever. Mm. You know, it'd be the most effective thing for anxiety ever. So exercise is just a really simple thing you can do. Uh, Facebookers, we're going to move on to some of your questions now. Uh, Dave would like to know, how can he remain cool, calm and collective in a stressful situation? You mentioned deep breathing. Mm. Anything else? Any self-talk or anything he can do? Yeah, so what I see in almost everyone that I work with is that we're not very kind to ourselves. We're not very nice to ourselves in our heads. Um, we beat ourselves up, you know, we would never speak to our worst enemy the way that we speak to ourselves so trying to be kind to yourself thinking about how you would speak to a friend and trying to speak to yourself in that way it sounds really simple and I know you've heard this before but how many of us actually still yeah. have that negative self-talk I think a lot of it comes down to as well the preparation so what is your morning routine like you know are you gulping down four coffees and rushing out the door or are you taking a bit of time to do a bit of exercise or do 10 minutes of meditation on your commute. Mm. You know, if you're having those things in place to take care of yourself throughout the day, then when you find yourself in a stressful situation, you're going to be, your base level of kind of anxiety is going to be lower so that it's not going to tip you over so the edge. So deep breathing, kind self-talk, reminding yourself that it's going to be over soon. Mm. Like being, mm. These anxious feelings will be over soon. Um, Eve says she's got a friend who works in senior management. He has serious problem, problems with panic attacks when he has to address staff at meetings. What can he do to combat that? Would that be a similar technique? Yeah, I mean, what often happens with public speaking is that beforehand we imagine that that situation is going to go badly. So, you know, yeah. say you've got a presentation tomorrow, the day before you're imagining, oh, I'm going to go bright red, or I'm going to forget what I'm going to say, or I'm going to, I'm going to ask an awkward question. And if you're thinking like about it negatively yeah. beforehand, you're going to create even more anxiety for yourself. Okay. So how can you start to imagine that situation going well? So even starting to visualise you're doing your presentation or you're addressing the meeting, the people in the meeting and you're speaking calmly and you're breathing deeply and you're making eye contact with people. That's, so you can just keep imagining it going really, really well. 
does it matter how specific the detail is? Because I heard once that you should visualize something and almost like feel it and smell the room and hear every sound so that when you're really in there talking to the audience, you, you've already trained yourself that it's going to be perfectly fine. But what if mm. some of those details change? Like what if you get yeah. there and the room doesn't smell how you imagined it was going to smell? It's going to throw you off course. Yeah. No. Um, yeah? No. I would say no. I would say okay. getting a sense of it. Good. Using your senses as much as possible. So it might be about how you feel in your body or the sorts of thoughts that you're having that you can imagine. Or you imagine making eye contact with people. You imagine smiling. So it doesn't need to be as specific as the smell as the room necessarily. Okay. But if you can engage some of your senses, that will help you to um, take on board a positive image of how that's going to be. Let's talk a little bit about confidence because one of my favourite chapters in your book, The Anxiety Solution, was all about decision making. In fact, I think the, the chapter was called Decisions, Decisions. Mm, so yeah. why, because why are people so bad at making decisions or so horrible to themselves about trying to make decisions and that then triggers anxiety, doesn't it? Yeah, so firstly we've got so many choices available to us that it can be quite overwhelming you know you just have to go into the supermarket and see how many types of milk there are to get mm -hmm. to get overwhelmed secondly a lot of us are terrified of making a mistake and terrified of making the wrong decision i think we often think that there is one perfect choice out there and if we could only find what that one perfect yeah. choice is then everything would be okay but actually there are lots of choices that could be good for us and actually it's a lot more to do with what we make of our decisions rather than, than the decisions themselves. What I found really comforting from Chloe's book was the bit where she says, um, you can pretty much handle the outcome of any decision or you can turn it around. Like it's, it's not gonna decide your future just because you chose to have that milk instead of that one, which was a really nice thought actually, because yeah. sometimes I'm always trying to make different decisions uh, in my other job as a presenter and then you eventually just have to ask yourself, like what's more important here and have you got any tips for making decisions if you're a perfectionist making a decision can be really tricky what kind of self-talk would you recommend to handle mm. that yeah well there are no perfect decisions unfortunately we like to think we like to think that there are that there's going to be this one perfect solution but there often aren't often we need to just take action we need to make a decision and then more information becomes available once we've taken some action so see if there's a small way that you can take some action with that decision and then see if you get a bit more clarity on that once you've kind of moved forward a little bit with it. There's one bit in the book where I think you said something like, if you're a perfectionist, ask yourself this, is this decision good enough? Yes, then it's good enough. Mm. Like, leave it. Yeah. Is that right? Am I encapsulating Yeah, exactly. So good enough is good enough. You know, there's no such thing as perfect. Can you just make a good enough decision and move on? Because otherwise you're going to just waste a lot of time and hold yourself back essentially. I think that's really difficult for perfectionists as well. Yeah. Because like it's yeah. never good enough. It's always <laughs> gonna be better, but you just gotta learn to drop it. Um are there any quick fix confidence or assertiveness tricks for situations? Because we talked about having, you know, being able to be decisive, but what about being assertive in front of others even if you're feeling terrified inside? Mm. Yeah, good question. I think Taking action, again, is the answer to this. It's nice to think um, that we should just be confident naturally, that we should somehow just have this confidence inside us. But actually, confidence is something that you develop through pushing yourself out of your comfort zone 
and then learning that actually you can you can do that and you actually survive or you handle it so whether it's something like if you want to get better at public speaking just making one point in a team meeting mm. or whether it's wanting to travel on a train and you've got a phobia get on a train for one stop and then get off mm. and just challenge yourself little by little and you'll find that your confidence grows through challenging yourself a question here from Rosie how do you get out of a cycle or habit of negative thoughts yeah so it's so easy when we're in a cycle of thinking about things negatively for it to spiral and for it mm. to become very irrational and very scary when it's alone in our heads when we're just alone with our thoughts so the moment you tell someone else or the moment you even just write it down we get some perspective on it and there's something about putting your feelings into words so if you're just writing down in your phone or in a notebook what those worries or negative thoughts are um, they've done brain scans on people and found that it calms people's brains down just, just to write it down, it down. Wow. so if you're writing I feel really stressed about paying my mortgage this month just mm. writing it down you're gonna get a bit more of a sense of being in control and maybe getting it in perspective a little bit is it the same for telling somebody or the same yeah so it's about putting your feelings into words so labeling the feelings um, mm. so I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling um, sad or whatever it is actually helps yeah. to calm us down when we verbalize that or put it into words I've got some questions about diet um, supplements and exercise I ended up finding out that my anxiety was linked to um, fluctuating blood sugar levels, so I had to make some big changes to my diet. And I wonder where you stand on diet when it comes to treating anxiety. I think there's definitely things that we can do. Certainly sugar, and those sugar ups and downs mm. play a role. If you have a drop in your blood sugar level, you feel kind of shaky, you feel... You know, you might have palpitations, you feel a bit panicky sometimes, and that feels a lot like anxiety. So it can be a trigger for anxiety, essentially. Mm. Um, caffeine is such an obvious one again, but again, so many people that get I come across jittery, yeah. get jittery, and that can lead to even panic yeah. attacks. Um, you know, so if you know that you're sensitive to caffeine, try and cut down. If you can, I don't want to take anyone's coffee away from them, but it can I, make a big I difference. I quit caffeine. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's just gone. Do you drink coffee still? No, I don't. I yeah. quit years ago. I, yeah, it doesn't agree with me. So, um, but would you? Are there any supplements that you would recommend or that you've used yourself? Yeah. So there's probiotics. Probiotics. Love talking about the gut microbiome. <laughs> Love. We can talk yeah. about that in a minute. Yeah. 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 So there is more and more evidence emerging that if we have good balance of healthy healthy gut bacteria that it sends a message to our brains and can help our mental health, essentially. So making sure that you either take a probiotic supplement, that you're trying to limit sugar, because unfortunately sugar feeds the bad bugs. Yeah, the bad bugs. Um, so eating... really, with the probiotics, we're crowding out the bad bugs, aren't we? Exactly. And like replenishing with the good bugs that can help influence our minds and our bodies. Definitely, Is that right? yeah, yeah. And we were talking about kefir, weren't so we, kefir, Yeah, before we started recording this... <laughs> I was talking to Chloe about probiotics and I was saying that I'm a big fan of kefir, which is like a fermented yogurt drink, um, which I've had um, good experiences with. And I guess there's kefir and there's kombucha and fermented foods, would you recommend? Mm. Like sauerkraut that have lots of the good bugs in. Yeah. So you can replenish those. Yeah. Any supplements in pill form apart from probiotics that have benefited so, you? So magnesium is often called the relaxation mineral. And if you've ever had a Epsom salt bath, 
which is sometimes recommended to ease sore muscles because yeah. it has magnesium in it and your body absorbs it through the water and your muscles end up relaxing. So if you take a magnesium supplement, it could help your body to be more relaxed because it's that mineral that helps your muscles to relax, basically. Um, also, B vitamins are important. Um, fish oils, there's some evidence to say that um, fish oils could help with things like anxiety and depression yeah. as well. Have you ever tried things like L-theanine or lemon balm? Those kind of... I haven't been that adventurous so far. <laughs> I could um, try that. Okay, let's talk a bit more about confidence and assertiveness. Um, here's a question about willpower. Mm. Do you have any tips, this is from Richard, on improving your willpower? Hmm. I... I um, sometimes talk about cold showers in terms of willpower, but on a cold, very, very cold February day, I don't think anyone's going to want to take a cold what, shower. You, you recommend people have cold showers? <laughs> yeah. yeah, because there's something about doing something difficult that um, gives you a sense of momentum that allows you to do other difficult things. So maybe a cold shower is not good for today, but even doing something like making your bed in the morning, there's some interesting evidence that just doing the simple task of making your bed gives you this sense of momentum that you've done that you've done something positive to start your day, and then maybe you're more likely to do other good things during the day, like go to the gym or eat well. You just well. get like a job done and then feel satisfied. Yeah, exactly. Is that exactly. why writing lists is so satisfying? Maybe. Sometimes I just I make lists. lists for the sake of it, so that I can cross them <laughs> off. Yeah, done that, done that. Um, a little bit about work place anxiety I want mm. to come on to now um if someone's suffering from anxiety and they have a job they're probably going to be anxious at work and there are probably various triggers at work I used to find meetings at work um quite um anxiety stimulating uh have you got any tips for people who are feeling a bit of office fear mm. I think it's such a common trigger probably one of the most common that I hear trying to take care of yourself at work as much as possible it's so easy to get very overwhelmed by to-do lists this is what I hear all the time the to-do list that just seems like it's never ending and only gets longer and longer um, but time spent having a break during the day is going to mean you're so much more productive than if you think right I'm just going to power on with this to-do list and end up really kind of tense and anxious at the end of the day so schedule in some breaks at work if it's 10 minutes outside, go and make a cup of tea somewhere else, take a bit of time for yourself during the day, mm. don't just power on hoping that getting everything done is going to make you feel better because yeah. it's not in the long run. Is burnout such a thing? Yeah, so I was talking to someone recently about this. It's a bit of a, it seems like it's something that doctors don't necessarily have a clear diagnosis for. Um, the person to speak to that is about that is Rosie Millen, so you have to speak okay. to her about that. She knows Ooh. all about burnout. If Rosie ever watches this, we want to get you on the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, have you got, had clients who've experienced burnout, or do you help them to manage it with hypnotherapy, like in, enforcing their kind of mental strength to deal with it? Yeah, so I suppose it's about helping you to, to be more relaxed so that your adrenaline levels are lower and can recover. And um, from what I understand about burnout, a lot of it's to do with the mindset of, accepting that you do need to rest and you do need to really slow down and have a slower pace of life because if you're living a really fast-paced life you're creating a lot of adrenaline and that is how you potentially mm. burn out so helping people to accept that actually rest is really important and it's just as important as doing things and being busy taking that time 
for yourself to so would you advise relax. that people actually block out time in their diaries and say that is that is a rest day I'm not doing anything and I'm not going to feel guilty about it either absolutely yeah mm-hmm. make an appointment with yourself to rest to have a night in to um, have a bath or something with those Epsom salts yes a um, couple more questions from you guys uh, Jo has a latex allergy a severe allergy um, and she gets pretty anxious about it because latex is so common. I can kind of sympathize with this because I have a life-threatening nut allergy and, and I find it um, quite scary just eating out. But Jo mm. obviously um, has to give up her job as well. Um, any tips for her in kind of dealing day-to-day anxiety levels? Yeah, I mean, it, of course it's, it's helpful to have a certain level of vigilance in terms of that. You wouldn't want to be completely relaxed about it. Um, I wonder about how she found out about that. Was it a bit of a traumatic experience? When she did she have a bit, strong reaction when that first happened? Because sometimes it can be almost a traumatic event, yeah. I suppose. If you have, you know, a it's anaphylactic shock it's or something. Severe, or, yeah, she's got, had anaphylaxis. Yeah, so that would yeah. be traumatic. So know. it might be about seeking some therapy to work on the trauma. A hypnotherapist might be able to help, or um, you know, just processing that a bit so that it's not creating that high level of anxiety. Um, I hope that was helpful, Joe. And another question from Rob. This refers to um, a study we saw in the news this week. It was about quite a large study into how effective antidepressants were and are. And uh, they concluded that antidepressants are effective. But Rob wants to know, do you think that result will trigger more of a pill-centred approach to dealing with anxiety when people go to their GP? Yeah, so obviously I'm not a, a doctor and I can't recommend or not anything to do with antidepressants or anything like that. Um, they are often recommended for people with anxiety. Mm. Unfortunately, the NHS doesn't have the resources to offer people therapy straight away. So you might get put on a waiting list for CBT mm. and sometimes people are given medication maybe until they're waiting for their therapy. Um, you know, I think that it's just important to focus on the things that you do have control of. Mm. You know, there's lots of things that we don't have control of. We can't control our DNA, you know, things in our past we can't necessarily control, but there are things that we can do. And that might mean, um, you know, accessing that therapy if you can. It might mean meditating, you know, Mm. doing 10 minutes a day, making sure you're doing some exercise. Don't keep things to yourself. Talk to other Mm. people about how you're feeling. Know that there's no shame in... In being anxious or depressed you're a human being it's a normal thing to happen there's so many of us that are suffering with these things so please don't be ashamed and, and keep things to yourself and with your hypnotherapy are you over a certain number of sessions basically helping someone to reprogram the way they think and the way that they view situations that had previously been making them afraid yes I suppose what happens in hypnotherapy is you become more receptive to taking on board different perspectives and maybe to letting go of the past. So I find that lots of my clients have things that they've taken on board a long time ago. For example, you know, you have a parent who's very critical and you grow up a perfectionist because of that or you grow up never feeling good enough. And if you don't feel good enough, then you're going to be anxious about lots of different situations and, you know, beat yourself up. So, for example, with a client like that, I might help them to change the way they think about themselves and to recognize that just because their parents were critical it doesn't it doesn't mean that they weren't good enough and help them just to change their perspective on that and sometimes people say it's like reprogramming the brain it's kind of a good way of describing it I suppose 
Um, sounds good to say. That yeah, way. sounds good. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Um, I'm so sorry, Facebookers. We haven't had time to get through all of your questions, but um, I really appreciate you tuning in and putting them down. Uh, we are up on time. Oh my gosh, 30 minutes went by like that. <laughs> Chloe, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so I'm Chloe Brotheridge on Instagram and I'm C Brotheridge on Twitter. I'm about mostly on Instagram. Facebookers, if you enjoyed this Facebook Live, go and hit the like button, then you can get the notification when we go live with the next episode. Thank you for joining us and thank you to Chloe. Thanks. Take care, everyone. I'm going to stop the live. Bye.